Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. In today's episode, we have something special. This is a presentation I did to the middle schoolers at um, Salem First Baptist here in Salem, Oregon. And you get to listen in on um, a foundation on gender and sexuality. Um, as I prepared for this, I kind of scratched everything that I had and started over kind of the day of really focusing on the foundation from Scripture of gender and sexuality. So I hope this is a blessing to you and to your family. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. Now is it on? Hey, let's talk about sex. Yeah. All right. So... Um, awkward yet? <laughs> Every single one of us has different hats that we wear. We're different personalities around different people. The one you're going to be right now is going to be really boring. Because a minute ago it was beautiful watching you wait to worship and raise your hands. And a little bit ago you all were in the other room acting absolutely insane. And then you go home to your parents and you act different there. And then your sibling bothers you and you act different there. And you get in trouble. We all are different people in different places. So I'm a college professor. So you're, this is your first college class. <laughs> and it's, it's an audit. It's just an audit. <laughs> as in, we're going to really fly through a bunch of stuff in 30 minutes. And so again, as, as, been, as JP said, careful with getting stuff, trying to write notes and getting frustrated. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. I'm a college professor, but I also love Harleys. I ride a Harley. That's part of my personality. But here's the funny thing. This is also me. 30, almost 30 years ago, I wore my pink really well. I had a, two or three necklaces on. I would have bracelets on. I would have, I had long hair at that point. And my personality was also very different. I'm married, have three kids, but I am extremely emotional who I am. And what's interesting is when you think of your peers, when you look around at each other, you're all so different. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today, how different you are. This foundation. We're going to look at this. This is kind of the order of we're going to do things. We're going to go from created order to then looking at what's disordered, what's out of order. In terms of your design, my design, God's design in the first part. And then what's wrong? Where, where have things gone wrong? And then the goal is to actually get to this point of you. What's missing here? What is it that we need to know today, right now, today, about you? Your story and where God's going to lead you and what he's got for you. What goes here, what's missing? So that's kind of what we're going to do today. These three pieces. So just kind of hang on. Um, so first thing here is created order. What is God's creation? Where do we start? We start in Genesis. And we start with God created man. So this verse here is, Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's is where he begins, and he created who? Adam. And it's this really cool story, if you think about this, this created order in the beginning when God created Adam, there's also work. As in, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden of, to work it and care for it. What an amazing place. It's also a reminder that actually work is a really good thing. It was part of the original design to enjoy your work and to work hard. 
If you think of even what was done and you had to get done in a garden. And then Adam noticed that he's a little lonely. And what happened? Well, God started with, okay, we're going to create a woman. And he says here, so the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. But he went, he sent Adam on a journey at this point. So this is really cool. So then Genesis 2.20. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and to all the wild animals. For the, for, but for Adam, no suitable helper was fine. And think about this. This probably took a long time, naming all these animals. And day after day... He's realizing, I'm different than these. I'm not like them. Who am I? And then he met woman. God created woman. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. This is the original design. Adam also got to name his, name his wife Eve. Because she would become the mother of all the living. This is the, again, the, the foundation of how, where we come from. And then another part of that foundation, if you think of male and female, was then marriage. Genesis 2.24, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. This is where the beginning and the design of marriage. Now here's one of the most important things about marriage. It is two sexually different people. There's no other combination. There's no other design. There's no other compromise on that in terms of the original design. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And it's interesting how it ties in right there to our sexuality. Something that we don't want to talk about oftentimes. We avoid or we only know how to do inappropriate jokes about. And yes, they're funny sometimes. And then they cross the line. More often than not. And it's interesting that that's where we go. Marriage is created for a man and a woman to come together to do what? To buy a house and get a mortgage and have two cars? And... No, they come together for the purpose of children. It turns it into the design. It's actually about procreation. Children... Proverbs 76, children's children are a crown to the age, and parents are the pride of their children. This goes way beyond this moment in time of how God created us. He meant for there to be generations. He meant there, for there to be you and me. And then for us to you know, live together, work together, be a team. And we're so different, just so cool. This is the created order right here. And then we got a problem. We have a problem. There's disorder. It's out of order. What is it? You know the word. Sin. Sin entered the picture. Well, how did it enter the picture? Genesis 3, 6 and 7. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband. Notice that he was standing right there. Who was with her? And he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. And they realized that they were naked. So they went to Walmart and bought clothes. Right there again. Something about sexuality. Something about, being re about revealing. And then about covering. Why do we cover ourselves now? Actually, my favorite word there is dignity. We're not because we're crude. We actually cover because we actually protect us. We keep a boundary there. 
which actually makes what happens in a marriage a beautiful thing. And there's actually no other context for it other than marriage. But here's another weird thing that actually entered this picture as well. The next thing that happened was this word blame. Genesis 3.12, the man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Dude, what in the world? What he just said was, you, God, made a mistake. It's kind of scary to think about that. But that's what he's saying. And here's where everything starts falling apart. So the helper, as a helper, he failed. Who she was, she failed. Genesis 3.16, to, uh, to the woman, he said, and he gave this curse. This was the next step. I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. And second, your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And most of you are like, I don't like that part. And what does that mean? Oh, gosh, we could spend hours unpacking that. It's actually a really cool thing to see God's design for marriage and God's design for husband and wife and the differences and how beautiful it is. But there's also another failure. Adam failed at leading. He was actually meant to lead his wife. And so he stood there and she took from the tree and he did not, he was not the man that he was supposed to be. To Adam, he said, the curse here, because you listened to your wife and ate the fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for the dust you are, the dust you will return. So what do we have here? We have man will struggle with, with and return to the earth. We're going to wrestle with the earth and we're going to return to it. And women will have pain in childbirth and struggle with a man. Welcome to all your parents' marriages. <laughs> Welcome to all of your relationships, actually. Why? Because here's really one really big problem. You. You are selfish. I am selfish. The honest truth is marriage doesn't work if we just stay right there. If it's all about me, nothing works. No relationship works. Nothing works when I make it about me. Which is where we're at right now in our world and our culture. Everything's about me. And we need to, we need to unpack that. What does that look like? Well, we're going to look at so gender and sexuality. Gender and sexuality were actually God-designed and not something for us to create, recreate, and to take for ourselves. He put it inside each and every one of us, and it's different. There's actually beautiful differences. Psalm 139, 13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Which also says he knew us before birth. There's something beautiful about who you are, even in the womb, and who God's created you to be, which sure does answer a lot of questions and, and point to the value of life from, from conception. Psalm 139, 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Some of you don't believe you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I'd actually say probably most of you could give a few things or a list of things you don't like about yourself. And if you don't have any yet, you'll get some as you get older. 
sad to say. Like, it breaks my heart to say that, but it's true. And God looks at you and he sees you as fearfully and wonderfully made. And then you look up at him and you say, no. Speaking of disordered, I'm the problem. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to you, your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. We are commanded right here. We are told what to do. Whatever I have in me that's not lining up with Scripture, I am to put to death. I am to take out, get rid of. It's not meant to be there. It's not part of the design, the original design. I've got some work to do. And by the way, that's 100% of us. There's not one person that escapes this. Whether it's from greed or gossip. You know the gossip that we do when we do prayer requests? <laughs> it's interesting to think about. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men. There's some prescriptions here. These individuals will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pending a really important word that we'll spend more time next week looking at, and that's repentance. When I repent, when I surrender, when I give up, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. These verses are really important. If you're not careful what they do is you're just like, oh my gosh, these are impossible, these are insane. Why? Because you're thinking about sexual stuff all the time. Or you're on the other extreme. I don't think of any of this stuff ever. What's wrong with me? Every one of us is in a different place than that. I teach parents that this subject should be taught to kids way younger than you. But yet, for some of you, this may be the first time you're ever hearing these verses and hearing these talked about. It's so important that you develop your own biblical ethic, sexual ethic. What does it mean to be man, to be woman, to be me? 1 Thessalonians 4.3, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Again, we have this prescription, we have this instruction, and here's where it really, really gets messy. It's in this category that we've kind of run with lately, in our attraction and desires. Did you know that who you're attracted to doesn't actually mean anything to some degree? Just because you're attracted doesn't mean anything. I actually was meeting with a young lady recently, and she said, you know what, I am so attracted to just bad guys. And what was really cool is she was dating this really godly man. She's like, I don't know how God did this. It was really cool to see. She knew there was a bentness in her towards people that she should not be attracted to. Why? Because attraction, by the way, is bad data. If you just base stuff off attraction, we're in trouble. Just desire. Why? Because you're basing it off you. Remember, we're the problem. Galatians 5. We're going to look at a lot of little pieces of this because it's really important. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And there they are. So when I actually choose to just do whatever I feel, or just be whoever I think I am or claim I am, we've got a problem. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger. Wow. Because you know what? This looks like school. This looks like home sometimes. This looks like... Us, people, relationships, 
Why? Because we're bent. We're broken. We need a Savior. If you really believe that, then you're with me. You get that. If you don't, we have a different conversation. Because it comes down to who do I worship? Myself? So whatever I want, or you, Lord. Exactly what we've been singing about. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Here's our, again, prescription. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is who we're meant to be. This is who we're going to talk about next week as well. This is what we're supposed to be to our friends, to our siblings. And I know that's a push. I know. That's a hard one. To our parents. Ugh. And to those we disagree with. Are we these things? And the truth is, is every single one of us could say, not always. I have work to do. As in, God has work to do within me. I have to submit to Him. That's hard as well. Galatians continues, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. So what have we just been told to do? I've got to surrender them. I must give them up. I must let them go. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot stay there. Or I will be trapped in a story, or I will be trapped in a search that I will not find inside of heaven. Some of your, your friends, your family, they're searching for something that they will never find from, from this side of heaven. My website is healinglives.com. I've always hated that, actually, because of that word healing. I'm like, healing is in one place. The true healing that we want is healing in heaven. As if we won't find healing, the, the culmination of that on earth. Until I realize that that word could also mean I'm in process of. I'm, I'm moving towards. I'm growing in. Which is why you need this group here. You need your leaders here. You need your small groups. You need your coaches. You need your teachers. You need your parents. People that see you. Because we need to nail so many things. All of us on the cross there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Again, another instruction. It's not my leading. It's not my attractions. It's not my desires. It's you, Lord. Who do you desire me to be? For some of us, that journey means truly surrendering some difficult things that's inside of me, things I'm wrestling with. Things that the world's telling you that you are identity, who you are. Scripture is saying, nope, that's not. Not at all who you are. You're so much more. So much more beautiful. So much, so much more passionate. So much more talented. And it's beautiful to think, even think of how much skill and talent and passion is in this room as well. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Further instruction of how we relate to others. We are so good at comparing ourselves to others. It's actually kind of scary. One of the things that's killing our girls, leading girls to commit suicide, by the way, is Instagram, TikTok, social media. Unacceptable stuff that we should not have, by the way, because of what's happening to girls. They're comparing themselves, and it's leading to them doing harm or self-harming even. It's horrifying. But yet, it's common in our culture. It's normal for so many, for so many of us. What's wrong here? And I've said it already. It's you. It's me. But it's this self-centered bent. I am bent towards myself. 
So if I get into a relationship, what I do is I actually want to be happy. I'm not thinking of the other person. You can be the nicest person in the world. I think I'm kind of nice, but I'm still thinking of myself. When you get married, you tend to marry someone because you think they will make me happy. And then you have this wedding, which I call the debt day, because it's expensive. And then the day after the wedding, you look at the other person and go, oh man, my whole life is about serving you. It's not about me. It was never meant to be about me. Yeah, it's true. Same for our kids. It's not about the parents. It's about serving you guys. And as you grow up, yes, you're our servants. <laughs> you do the you know, laundry or dishes. And you, but in the end, it's relationships. It's building that community of service. Now I want to look at this also to another little tiny lens. And you probably are familiar with this. The genderbred person. We have made this whole gender thing very complicated. But it's actually kind of fascinating too. You have these four parts. Identity, attraction, expression, and sex. In some ways, it's like, why are we making this so complicated? But in other ways, this helps us better understand you and me. That we're not the same. We can't go boys and girls. In God's design, it is that simple, by the way. But it's also so much more beautiful. Now you look at the gender identity and gender expression. You kind of look at those in biological sex. You're, you can kind of put yourself on a different line, you know, line there and find yourself and you're a little more masculine or you're a little more feminine. That has nothing to do whether you're male or female. But what breaks my heart is that you've been told that that's actually what makes you male or female. It's not true. I crochet. I knit. I love musicals. I love to sing. I have a degree in music. I love theater. I love all the stuff that my wife, who's the brainiac and who likes to um, is thinking more boxed. She's more, she's the guy, by the way. I'm the girl on the stereotypes. No, she's so female and woman, and I'm male. But we actually, I don't think we made sense until we met each other, which is really cool. God's design. But how we analyze ourselves is where this gets really messy. Who you're sexually attracted to, who you're romantically attracted to. I'd actually say careful with that because it's also bad data. Just because you're attracted to someone doesn't actually mean much. Because it, that's not what has ever kept a marriage together and kept a relationship together. It kind of just gets you into a conversation. My wife and I, we went on our first date. At the end of our first date, we shook hands. And we're like, peace out. Like, and she was just said yes to a second date to be nice because I had basically just dumped all of my life story on her on the first date. Um, second, ne next weekend, we went out on a date and saw each other every day, married 10 months later. It was really cool to see God's hand in there and actually show us something we couldn't see. Why? Because based off just attraction, both of us were like, eh. Because that's actually bad data. It never, ever, ever has kept us in a relationship. It, again, just gets things started. But yet, you're not told that in our culture. You're told whatever, you are whatever you're attracted to. That's your identity. That's at your core. You know these letters as well. This shapes our culture. Lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, questioning, queer, intersex, asexual, and plus... 
This is normal for all of us in terms of our conversations at school and around in our culture and TV shows and movies. And what's crazy is we need every single one of us in the, in the body of Christ, no matter where you would put yourself, if you will. But marriage is between two sexually different people, period. God's design, the original design, is that, period. So the question is, what is sexual identity? What does that actually mean? What are, what am I to do with these attractions, these things that I feel? Well, we just talked about that. So many things of who we are, what we feel, are actually not necessarily meant to be front and center like my identity. But here's a scary one, because here's where we're moving. Have you heard of Matt? Because if you think everything is just okay just because I feel it or think of it, MAP, M-A-P, is the minor attractive persons. Adult men and women who are sexually attracted to children is now the next category that's being talked about in our culture. And I live in this. This is what I do my research in. This is what I speak in. This is what I've written in. This is what I do. It's, it's actually horrifying where we're at when it comes to if just anything goes, then where do we land? Another one is polyamory. Here in the Northwest, it is more normal than anywhere else in the culture, in the country, and it's spreading across the country. Other countries as well. What is polyamory? Three or more people. Three, four, five different people that all live together, do life together, but are sexually inter-different mixings of people. As then we're going to just kind of make up whatever might work for us in our situation. But then we go back to the design, to the foundation, and go, no. This is not God's intent with who you are and who you're meant to be. But yet many, many are testing the waters, if you will. Which, by the way, doesn't work. You can listen to story after story on YouTube and see how many start off this way, it crashes and burns eventually. It doesn't work. When I follow myself for what I want, it doesn't tend to go well. And you can watch, again, YouTube is a great place, story after story where that is the truth. So what is what are we supposed to do with this? This is about stewarding the differences. Every female in this room, you're all different. You're not meant to actually be the same. But in some ways we've done you a disservice by almost think, teaching you and making you think you're supposed to be this kind of feminine, whatever that is. It's not true. Because God gifted you and made you perfect in his image. What are you going to do with that? How are you going to steward that? On, on, on the whole, like, every single one of us, it's such a cool thing to think about, of who, how you're made, how God made you, what you're going to do with that. And I can choose to, again, put that in line with what Christ is teaching, Scripture says, or I do it my way. And so here's the summary, basically, of what, what I'm really saying, just in simple terms. Marriage is one man and one woman, and nothing else. That's it. That's marriage. Period. Gender is male and female. The gender part. Versus emphasis on attraction, desires, and sexual identity. Because you're being given all this vocabulary to think through who you are that I think is actually doing more damage than good in the end. You're, if you're... If your cells in your body are male, 
There's no changing those cells in your body. That's who you are. So what are you going to do with that? It's actually kind of neat to see because it's up to you to be creative. That's the presenting of yourself. You present yourself with the hair choices you have, the clothes you wear. I don't think I own a shirt that doesn't say this right here on it. <laughs> it's a presenting of yourself with what you wear, who you are, how you live, what you like. And it's actually beautiful when it's submitted to Christ. Our sexuality, I love this word stewardship. It's also something that I'm actually meant, even now in your age, to steward. You have desires, you have urges, you have feelings that you're supposed to actually learn now to teach them to be in line with Christ. And what I promise you will happen in that sense, the payoff is, is immeasurable. Because the alternative is you do whatever you feel and you're going to have a messy life there. That's not what we want for you. That's what I hope your parents don't want for you. It gets really, really messy. So we have this idea of created order. And then disorder. Where sin enters the picture. Where we have the mess kind of that we're in right now in our culture of conversations about who you are. You and I are the problem, but we're actually asking that question of who am I? And this is the word that I want us to kind of go away with and think about. It's this word, surrender. What it is, is it's me giving up what I want. Marriage doesn't work without that. Actually, I would actually dare say no relationship works without that. I become a friend with you because there's something that we click on. There's something that we're like-minded on. But if it's got to be my way, we're not going to be friends long. No relationship works when it's about just me. What does this surrender look like? Only way for relationships to work is service. It's serving someone else. How are you honestly going to bless your family at home when you see something around the house that needs to get done and you do it? You'll be a different person if you learn that one skill. Someone at school, a friend, you see that they're in need and you actually don't really want to go over there, but you go over there because you know they're in need and you do the opposite of what you feel. You have certain desires and passions inside and you look at them and go, these aren't God-honoring. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to surrender those to Christ. And I learn to love people and lean into who He wants me to be. It's putting another above myself. And that's what this is about. That's what we want for you and we want even now. This was the intro for what you go do in your small groups today and beyond. How you talk to your leaders and trust them with your stories. How you actually find people that are in your life that will actually listen to you and love you and lead you well. And lead you in one direction towards Christ. Because if anything I said here today contradicts scripture, then I'm wrong. If you talk to a doctor or a counselor or a teacher or someone that says something that contradicts scripture, they are wrong. Period. And we need that. We need this foundation of who, who do we trust because you have to decide today if you're going to trust me on this, which is why I spent most of this time showing you scripture. This is the foundation. 
So bless you guys, and let's pray real quick, and you're going to respond for yours. God, thank you so much that you are the creator of marriage, of relationships, of everything that we are, and that you created us to be in relationships. I just pray for each um, man and woman here that loves you, that wants to serve you, that you will continue to guide them towards great relationships right now that will lead to incredible relationships um, to come as they grow older, Lord. May they steward that part of them well. May they surrender those things that are actually um, things that they struggle with or wrestle with to you, Lord. Nail them on the cross and walk an amazing life of surrender, actually of peace, as they lean into your word and what you want them to, um, who you want them to be, Lord. Thank you so much that you made us moldable and teachable. Um, and may we, again, continue to do that in relationship, even here in our small groups. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.